Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. Your host, Mr. Jono Petrahilos, currently generates over a million dollars a year selling his online courses. And now he teaches you how to do the same. Along with listening to our podcast, make sure to join the Course Creator Community Facebook group. It's one of the largest and most engaged Facebook groups in the space. You'll find the link in the show notes. Anyway, let's get to today's show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we've got an awesome guest on the line this week. She's been on before. She's on about a year before, and I only get really good people on twice, you know? Uh, to, to get on this show twice, you've got to be the, the best of the best. And this person is amazing at what she does. She does a few different things. The, the simple version is she helps business owners launch and operate their indoor playground or, or family entertainment. Now, you may be listening to this and being like, well, hold on, I'm not an indoor playground person. You know, how's Michelle going to help me? Well, she's an amazing marketer. And the way she helps the, um, her people is via her membership site. Last time I checked, I think she's got about 250 members in there. They're paying something like 50 bucks a month. So it's it's quite a, um, a lucrative business. On top of that, Michelle's also an amazing marketer. She runs Facebook ads for people. She's got a very popular podcast, the Marketing Junkie Podcast that I recommend check out. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, here she is, the one and only Michelle Caruana. Michelle, how are you? Great, and thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be back a second time, and I am honored. Awesome. No, I'm excited to have you on. Now, I gave you a bit of an intro there, Michelle, but do you want to tell the listeners, maybe in a bit more detail, what is it exactly you do? Sure. So just a little bit of context and background. I didn't just choose this niche randomly. Um, I started in the corporate marketing world. I actually went to business school. And then after my first child was born, I actually decided to leave the corporate world and dive headfirst into entrepreneurship. And I opened an indoor playground. And it was really difficult those first couple of years. I learned a lot of really difficult, expensive lessons. And luckily, we were able to figure it out. But I noticed that a couple of years in, when we really started bringing in you know, more money and being more successful, and we opened a second location, my inbox was you know, filling up with emails saying, you know, how did you do it? I'd love to you know, pick your brain, which I hate that phrase. But I started doing consulting and every single call was pretty much the same. So after a little bit of that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to package everything I know about the indoor playground industry, put it into a course, which then expanded into a membership, which expanded into templates and resources and all sorts of online resources for both prospective and current indoor playground owners. Love it. There's so many good parts to that there. I think even before we get into the membership side of things, I'll share a couple of things that I've seen with that story there, Michelle, and I'd love to get your opinion on it too. So I find that like the best people in the online course membership sort of space are those people that are like have done the thing first. You know, it's not like, you know, just as you said, didn't just wake up and be like, hey, I'm going to target dentist today you know and like that could be a good strategy as well there's there's ways where where that can work um but i'd probably say more if it's the ad side of things like i'm guessing you could probably run ads for dentists if you want but like in terms of but i wouldn't teach people how to fill cavities or how to run their dental practice exactly you know like if you're teaching someone how to run that specific business it helps if you've done that business yourself first and that you've been really good at it and I think even better as well, if you struggled at it at the start, I think that's an advantage because that sounds similar to 
to me, like in the fitness boot camp world. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Yes. Yeah. Used to run one, sucked at it. But because I sucked at it, I learned how to get better and then could teach someone else, right? Um, So I think that's important. And then I think the other thing that's important with an online course is that, and a membership as well, obviously, is that you have that defined niche because it's very hard to come up with a system that helps everyone, right? But if you've got that defined niche, you mentioned, hey, the course, like I was doing these calls and it was the same thing for every single person. Now I can put a course together. I think that's a good thing for a course as well. Start doing some consulting. And then when you get the, the same questions, okay, there's a course in this. What's, um, what's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. And it also occurred to me while I was doing these consulting calls that, like I said, not only is everybody asking the same questions, but they also weren't asking all of the right questions. So mm-hmm. I would leave every call feeling like, oh my gosh, I had so much more to say, but they can't afford another hour or two hours. Mm-hmm. And I could tell, you know, they didn't ask about this, but I know that, you know, within that first year, this is going to be an obstacle that they need to overcome. So For me, creating my course and my membership wasn't just about answering people's common questions. It was also about kind of leading them to the information that they didn't even know they needed. So I kind of, with my marketing and my front end things, so like my YouTube channel and my blog and things like that, I always tackle those very low hanging fruit things that everybody wonders. And then I kind of poured sort of lead them towards the real good stuff that they probably didn't even think about because it's such a nuanced industry. And just like you said, I think because I struggled and because I went into the business not knowing what I didn't know, which caused a lot of struggle and a lot of, like I said, really expensive mistakes, I think it gives you a really unique perspective because you can put yourself in their shoes, Mm -hmm. either their current self or their future self. So you know the words to use you know, the connection points that will make them say, yes, this is exactly what I need, or this is the missing piece. So I love that you called attention to the fact that struggling doesn't necessarily mean that you don't deserve to create a course. Because for a long time, I put off my course because I was like, it took me years to get this right. Like, why am I the go-to expert? Who do I think I am to teach other people this stuff? But it really, if, if I hadn't struggled, I wouldn't have been able to come up with the creative strategies that I did. Mm. I wouldn't have had the inspiration to really break through to the other side. So a lot of people will come to me when they're looking to create their course. And I don't you know, teach course creation, but a lot of people will just ask my experience and they say, well, you know, I failed a couple of times or I, I don't have a perfect track record. And they really struggle with this imposter syndrome, but it really can be the most valuable part of your course is teaching people from those failures so that they can prevent them themselves. Yes, for sure. And then on top of that as well, I think the other advantage to, to doing what you've done there is just the positioning. It's kind of like if there's a general course, grow your business. Okay. Maybe if you're Amy Porterfield or Alex Hormozzi or someone, okay, you know, people will, will buy it. But otherwise, like, why is someone going to pick you? Well, hold on. Michelle's got one specific for in-ground playground, um, for indoor playground people. You know, it's, it, it, it gives you that, that point of difference to, to stand out. Um, all right, let's dive into it, Michelle. So 250 members. That's pretty freaking awesome. How did you do it? So I think one of my keys to success with my membership is that I let it evolve really organically. 
So what I mean by that is I launched my course first, which is called Play Cafe Academy. It's my signature program. So I have tons of like $27, $37 mini courses, but my signature program that is A to Z, everything you need to know about opening an indoor playground, I call the transformation from daydream to opening day. That's my course. And then I noticed that, you know, once I was getting that funnel right and I was figuring out how to sell it and, you know, get my conversion rates up and things like that. I noticed that once people completed it, they were always looking for additional support. So what I did was I created a free Facebook group for everybody that had gone through the program. And I said, hey, if you're a Play Cafe Academy student, join this free group. And that's kind of how it started. But I noticed that because it was free, people weren't valuing it as much. There was really no structure. I was just kind of answering questions when I had a moment, but I really didn't feel that like, motivation to put a lot of time and resources into the group because I wasn't being compensated for it. Mm. So I would say probably six months of, you know, really struggling to run this free group because at this point it was over a hundred people and it was super active. And I just felt like I was doing all of the other parts of my business, a huge disservice because I was spending all this time and energy on something that wasn't generating any income whatsoever. So What I did was I kind of did like a relaunch of the group and I said, you know, hey, for the hundred people that are here, I'll give you a really amazing founding member lifetime discount if you sign up Um, because it was never something that I really promised when they purchased my course. Mm. So I protected myself a little in that regard. So I wasn't. Now, I just want to take a minute and let everyone know if you're a course creator, you've already got a course and it's not quite selling, uh, or if you're still in the process of putting your course together at the course creator community, we actually have a VIP group coaching program. It's the best program of its kind and the most affordable as well. So if you'd like some extra help and guidance in either putting your course together or selling your online course, I recommend joining the course creator community VIP program. I'll put the links down in the show notes. Taking something away, it was just kind of like a surprise and delight thing I created. So I launched it and I said, you know what? Not only am I going to start charging because obviously that, oh, that put some people on red alert and they were like, wait a second, I already paid you. But what I did is I really highlighted how the group was going to help them go from, because again, my course is daydream to opening day. I positioned my membership such that it was going to cover everything after opening day, Mm. but was really geared towards all of those hurdles and struggles and points of pivot that people are going to face after they open. And I said, yes, I'm going to charge, but I'm going to start welcoming guest experts. I'm going to provide a monthly training. We're going to do monthly group calls. We're going to do networking, virtual events and things like that. So I really had to be careful because it was something that they were previously receiving for free, but Mm. I really took the time to outline all of the benefits and how much more value they'd be able to derive from the group. And honestly, I think over 85% of people ended up opting in. So I only lost, I think like 15 people. Mm. And honestly, those 15 people had kind of abandoned their indoor playground plan. So I don't think it was necessarily the offer. I just don't think it was something that they thought they could benefit from. And then moving forward, it was just kind of, you know, peanut butter and jelly, my course, my membership. So I really intertwined all of the marketing. So people know that when they join Play Cafe Academy, they're automatically going to get an invitation to my membership, 
which is called Playmaker Society. So a mistake that I see a lot of people make is they just decide to launch a membership and they don't really understand what their ideal customer wants, what they need, how they're best going to consume content, what their monthly deliverables would be, what they'd be willing to pay. But because I spent all six months basically providing information and tips and answering questions, I knew exactly how I was going to be able to increase the value that people were going to be able to get and also find a price point that would marry it. And honestly, I don't spend, other than mentioning it in YouTube videos and my podcast, I really, I don't even have a sales page for my membership because my conversion rate from my course into my membership is so high because by the time people complete my course, they're like, all right, I'm ready. What's the next step? So I think listening to what my customers needed and creating the membership based on that and not the other way around, I think is one way that, or one reason rather that I was able to see success right away. And it wasn't that same uphill battle that a lot of membership owners face. Okay. couple questions with that. Do you know what your percentage is like for the amount of people that take your course that then continue on to the membership? Yeah, I just looked. So I've been able to maintain that like 85% conversion rate. Now, a big reason for that conversion rate is because I do offer a free one month trial. Gotcha. So that's one. So only for people that pay in full for my course. So they have to do the pay in full option. They can't choose a payment plan. So that's one of my pay in full perks. And they get a one month membership into Playmaker Society, which is worth $47. Now, I know a lot of people are wary of the free trial and a lot of people recommend against it, but that's because a lot of times a free trial can attract freebie seekers or quote unquote tire kickers or people that don't value your expertise or your value. However, because I've pre-qualified these people by purchasing my $600 course, I felt like by offering this free trial, it wasn't going to attract that same sort Mm -hmm. of person that might opt into a free trial where there's no pre-qualifications or Mm -hmm. no prerequisite. And another reason that I decided to offer a free trial is because my course is very long. It's very robust. And I knew that just because I know my customers and when they sign up for my course, they're so excited. And they just want everything all at once. They want to like drink from the fire hose. But I know that it's going to take them a lot of time to go through the course. So I knew that if they sign up for the course and then purchase the membership right away, it would cause them to cancel because they'd be like, well, you know, I haven't been able to even look at this membership. I have so much to deal with with this course. So I felt like by offering that free trial, it gave them a month to kind of get a feel for it, join the group, make some connections without feeling that pressure of, oh my gosh, I'm about to have my second payment and I didn't get any value from the first month. So considering those two things, I absolutely highly recommend a free trial for a backend membership, Mm -hmm. meaning a membership that has a prerequisite like a course. Um, And I think that if you have a really high quality membership and you deliver on your promises, that free trial is going to have almost a 100% conversion rate. I know that if I can just get somebody into my membership, if I can just give them a taste of the amazing people in the group, the other resources, I know I can keep them. 
So this wouldn't work if you are, you know, maybe not delivering on your promises or if your membership isn't high quality, which of course isn't going to be anybody in your group. But I think, you know, for me, like I said, is I know if I can get people in there and using it, I can retain them. So those are a couple of reasons why I decided to do the free trial. And before I did the free trial, my conversion rate was only like 40 to 50%, which is still above industry standard, but Mm. I knew that I could really increase that. So about two years ago, I started doing the free trial and I would not go back. Couple questions with that. Do you know your percentage of free trial that continue on to the pay? Yeah, it's almost a hundred percent for at least three months. Okay. That was my next question. So what do you know? How long does someone usually stay in your membership for? Yep. So right now my average lifetime membership is around nine months and I know it could be longer, but the people that cancel, because I always do like a little exit survey. And honestly, most of the people that cancel just decide that, you know what, an indoor playground isn't for me. I'm going Mm -hmm. to launch an online business, or I'm going to launch a craft business or cookie decorating. So, um, nine months is my average membership, but I feel really good about that because like I said, most of the people that leave don't leave because they're not getting value. It's because they're completely shifting business gears. Well, what I like about that is it essentially makes your course now basically a thousand dollars, right? It's kind of like, instead of just the $600 on the front end, it's like, all right, $600 on the front end, but there's an 85% chance this person is going to then pay me another $500 there. Um, which ends up being about a thousand dollars per person. So it's just a, a really good way to, you know, um, double your revenue essentially there. Exactly. And after I started with the membership and charging for that support after the course, it really allowed me to utilize affiliates more because mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable giving away a percentage of my course co- or my course price knowing that I have that revenue waiting for me on the back end of the purchase. So I do give um, a percentage of affiliate um, income on the course. I don't currently offer any affiliates, any affiliate um, percentage for the membership, just because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of all me after the course to sell the membership. Um, But honestly, my affiliates are very happy with that because I offer 50% affiliate commission upfront. For sure. Now, is the only way someone can do your membership to purchase the course first? Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Yes, there have been a few exceptions that I've made. So for example, I think I've made five or six exceptions and I do it on a case by case basis. And the few times that I have made exceptions are people that have been open for several years who are really thriving, but are just looking for a group of like-minded people because my course is really about you know, dissecting your lease, choosing a location, designing your space, establishing your revenue streams, hiring a team, training your team. So not only can my course not help these people, 
because they already have their location. But I know that my membership, my other members in the membership could get so much value from these experienced indoor playground owners. So I do have an application that I don't make public, but if I see somebody out there really rocking their business, or if somebody reaches out to me, I will extend an offer, like I said, on a case-by-case basis, but I will talk to them first to make sure they're not just, you know, someone who just opened and is struggling Mm. and, you know, specifically waited until after they opened and didn't buy my course just so they could, you know, only pay $47. So they generally fall into one of those two discrete buckets. It's literally, I can draw a line between the two people that ask, but yeah, I do make exceptions on a very specific case-by-case basis. That's awesome. Cause it's kind of like you're, you're molding your perfect member, you know, it's kind of like you're getting them to this point here. And then after that, they're, they're in the the membership. Now I've got a question for that, Michelle. So it's like, um, so your membership is, is so also leveraged on how successful your course is, right? Cause it's kind of like, if you're not selling any courses, you're not selling any membership. Uh, what kind of, what kind of strategies do you use there? Cause I'm thinking with your niche as well, for the course anyway, it's people that don't have an indoor playground already, right? Yep. People definitely in the research phase. How do you find those people? YouTube. Honestly, um, I only have, I think I have 3,200 subscribers as I sit here. Um, however, I use all unique links for YouTube. So right now I'm getting around 25 leads a day just from my YouTube channel. And I think a big reason behind that is what a lot of people don't even realize when they're putting together their marketing strategy is that Google now owns YouTube. Mm. So a lot of people will say, well, I'm not going to prioritize YouTube for my business because my users or my ideal customers are not on YouTube or Mm. I don't use YouTube. But if you were to type into your Google search bar, how to open an indoor playground, YouTube videos are some of the first search results. Mm. So even if somebody has never watched a YouTube video before or has never searched for something on YouTube, Google specifically pushes YouTube search results because right now they're competing against Instagram Reels and TikToks and all of these other places where people are learning new things. Google is like, oh my gosh, you know, we have to protect our market share. We're going to push this video content to the top. So If you look at my YouTube statistics, around 35% of my YouTube views and my traffic comes from Google search and around 20% comes from YouTube search. So if it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a topic that's really commonly searched on YouTube, but if it's searched for at all on the internet, YouTube can be a great way to find those people that are already searching for that information. Gotcha. And was that your strategy from the start? Like when you first put the the course together, it was always YouTube? Yeah. So actually I took Sunny Leonard Ducey's course on YouTube. I've taken that myself actually. Yep. I listened to a bunch of her episodes and her big success story was, you know, she put up a YouTube video and overnight it got like 5,000 views and it was generating all these clients. And I was under the impression when I first got started, like literally the week before I launched my course, I launched my first YouTube video. And I was under the impression that, oh, I just put this one video out there. It gets a ton of views and, you know, it's just going to generate leads for my business on a continual basis. And it turns out that it was a little bit more work than that. So I figured out that, you know, yeah, it did get 
quite a few views because not a lot of people are putting out information on opening an indoor playground. And Mm -hmm. the information that was out there back in 2018, when I started, it was seven to 10 years old Mm -hmm. and YouTube and Google likes fresh information. So I did get to enjoy a little bit of, you know, um, I don't want to say like a monopoly, but I was one of the only creators putting out content at the time. But I realized that, you know, a lot of people were subscribing and asking more questions. And I thought, oh, well, that's another YouTube video. That's another YouTube video. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I just got in such of a groove. I started doing tours of my space. I started doing vlogs. I started doing Q&A things, all sorts of that. So it just kind of organically happened. Another another thing that just kind of happened in my business in... um, in a really natural way. So it wasn't part of the original plan to create um, continual content on YouTube, but for the last four years, I've put out a video every single week. I think I've missed a couple weeks, um, but I'm really proud of my consistency and with the amount That's of awesome, leads yeah. and sales I'm able to generate with you know, just 3,200 followers. But something that I've noticed is that every single person who signs up for my course and signs up for my membership they all reference my YouTube channel. So whether they find me on YouTube or whether they find me somewhere else, at some point along their customer journey before they purchase something from me, they're watching my YouTube videos. They're getting used to learning from me on video. And that's another reason that I think YouTube is really powerful for course creators because, you know, it, like I said, it familiarizes people with learning on video, which is almost a course. Yeah, it's almost a course. Your YouTube channel is almost a course on its own, right? Exactly. It's a lot easier to translate a YouTube viewer into a video course purchaser than it would be like someone that reads a blog and says, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to purchase this video course in a completely different medium in a way that I've never learned from this person before. So that's another reason why I just kept going with the YouTube content is because not only is it a great way to get leads, but it's a great way to move people closer to a sale. 100%. 100%. Now, question with YouTube. So I've done Sunny Lenarduzzi's course as well. And a lot of her, um, I guess, strategies based on her uh, formula, you know, hey, let's get, uh, you know, type in a title in, in TubeBuddy or whatever it may be, and make sure it's got, you know, certain amount of traffic, certain amount of, of competition. Was there already, or is there a lot of people searching the, the videos that you were focusing on, or was it uh, a small amount of people, but you were the only one? What, what can you tell us about that? Let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. So there are a couple people since I've, um, you know, since people are now seeing my success, they are, there are several competitors that are trying to emulate it. Gotcha. Um, I do use TubeBuddy. I'm just on the pro plan. So it's only $9 a month. Yeah. It is well, well worth that. I recommend mm-hmm. it for anybody creating YouTube content. 
Um, and it gives you what I love about TubeBuddy is yes, it takes into consideration traffic and things like that, but it also takes into consideration your niche. So let's say I'm going to sit down today and I want to create a topic about selling out your summer camps. I can type into TubeBuddy and I might tweak like three or four different words. I can go from like a 10 score on TubeBuddy out of 100 to 100 by just tweaking a few different words. So I'm letting my business and my customers lead my topics, but I'm using Sunny's formula and I'm using TubeBuddy to really get the science on my side. So again, what people are searching for, the words that they're using, um, things like that. Sometimes it's as simple as using the word indoor playground instead of play cafe. Because mm -hmm. again, Google owns YouTube. So YouTube is able to piggyback on all of that amazing data. So yes, it definitely is an art and a science. And for anybody that is looking to create really intentionally on the platform, I would highly recommend, obviously, you want to make sure you're creating content that people want, which is, I guess I would say the art side, because mm. you're really understanding what is going to engage people. But you do have to play nice with the algorithm and use the right words and the right tags, which a very simple, inexpensive tool like TubeBuddy is going to help you do. Mm, yeah, it's a good good breakdown there. You need both of those, right? It's kind of like you have really good content. But if you're not, if no one's searching that content or like, you know, if you're not, yeah, if you're not um, um, optimizing it for the algorithm, well, no one's going to see it. Then same the other way. You may be great on the algorithm using TubeBuddy and there's all these searches and no competition. But if your content sucks, well, you know, you're not going to make any sales from it. So yeah, you, you really need both of those. Um, okay, let's move on. And then the sales side of things, Michelle. So you got your YouTube channel. People are typing things in. They're, you know, watching your videos. They're entering their details in. How do they go from a, a lead to then a purchaser? Yep. So all of my courses, all of my mini courses, my signature course, it's all on Evergreen. A lot of people um, say that, you know, oh, I wish I could get my business on Evergreen or, you know, I love live launching too much. But honestly, this was something that came out of necessity just because of the season of life that I'm in. I just can't be live launching multiple times a year. Mm. So what I did was I created a series of lead magnets. So I started with one and then continually added on a couple more. And I really designed my lead magnets around objections that people tend to have before purchasing my course. So for example, one of the biggest obstacles that people face in opening their indoor playground is funding. And there's not a lot of information out there about funding a brick and mortar business, let alone specifically an indoor playground. So I know that people are very wary to invest $600 in a course if they're not even sure it's a possibility for them. So I created like a two hour video training that is all about, you know, step by step by step. Here's how you approach a bank. Here's how you approach investors. Here's my best tips around crowdfunding. And that is one of my highest converting lead magnets. Now, other lead magnets I have are around other objections that people have. So I'm really sure to be very strategic with not only how I create free content, but how I create my opt-in content. And I also try to create opt-in content that is in different mediums. So some people like PDF checklists, some people like video training, some people like audio information and things like that. So Honestly, I just have three or four different opt-ins. I have a six-month-long nurture sequence, and people just, at some point along that journey, I have a really good idea of 
where in that six months, people tend to purchase. Honestly, they tend to purchase really early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that opt-in to email sequence to course to membership has been my key to success. And every single time I have an email that really resonates with people, that gets a really high open rate, that generates sales, I add it to the end of my nurture sequence. So a lot of people say, well, you know, how the heck did you create six months worth of emails? And I say, well, it didn't start that way. Mm -hmm. I simply created like a month of regular email content. And then every single time I had a great email or I created a great new piece of content that I was really proud of, like a YouTube video or a podcast or anything that really positioned me as the expert or overcame an objection or just formed a personal connection with somebody that might be reading, I added it to the end. So it took me several months to get there. And honestly, I need to update it because (laughs) I try to do it every year and it's about time. It's really easy to get complacent. When you have an evergreen funnel. So I know I have to go back and update some stuff about COVID and things like that. But honestly, a lot of people assume that I have all these bells and whistles in my funnel, but it's actually very simple. I don't have, you know, an evergreen webinar that is, you know, people can sign up for in 15 minute intervals. I don't use deadline funnel. I don't use anything like that. It's way simpler than people think. But again, I think it's because every single step I've taken has been really intentional and has been really born naturally out of what people are asking of me. Love that. Let me make sure I've got my head around this. So the the funnel is essentially like this. Your content you'll create mainly on YouTube. You create a YouTube video every week. Um, You've then got people opting in every day, either the new video or probably some old videos are are still ranking there. Um, They opt into this. So is there a different lead magnet for each YouTube video or is it like, on the YouTube video, you like go here this, under every video. The, oh, gotcha. So they can pick any of those freebies under every video, basically. Yep. And then under, if you go to my YouTube channel, it's called Play Cafe Academy. I have under my video descriptions, every single one has like a little description. And then it has a list of all of my courses, all of my free resources, everything gotcha. like that. So some people purchase my course straight away when they find me yeah. on YouTube, but most people opt in to at least one free resource before they ultimately end up purchasing. But yeah. Because <laughs> everyone's been burnt before, right? The people that buy the course yeah. straight away probably haven't been burnt by a bad course before. So exactly. All right. So that makes sense there. They then opt in. They'll get a series of of six months worth of emails, which is, you know, um tips or you know, whatever it may be, but or a sale. Um, and those tips also have a sale on the bottom as well, I'm guessing. Is that how that sequence kind of works? Yeah, I have sales emails sprinkled into all of my, um, all of my content, all of my emails, I should say. So like every third or fourth email, I highlight my course. But one of the things that I've really learned to do is just naturally talk about my course in every Mm -hmm. single piece of content that I do. So usually what happens when somebody finds a YouTube video from me is they subscribe. So not only are they hearing from me in their inbox, mm-hmm. they're also getting notified every single time I post a video. And I, I, it could be a fun drinking game, but, you know, listen to one of my YouTube videos and I just naturally bring up my course all the time or I share member success stories. So something that I kind of had to learn as a course creator is, yes, people are there for the information, but stories sell. So a lot of times I'll be demonstrating a concept and I'll say, well, 
you know, if you're struggling in this area, here's an idea. You can do this instead. And Tiffany from my play cafe in Kansas City, Missouri, when I visited her recently, you know, she's a play cafe academy and Playmaker Society member. This is her solution. And I just integrate those stories really organically. So it doesn't feel like an ad. It doesn't feel like I'm, you know, like a robot talking or anything like that. So I really had to learn to just not let people forget ever that Mm -hmm. there is a paid program and it's going to get them to where they want to be a lot faster than watching my 260 YouTube videos. Yeah. 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 So there's a couple other really good insights I've got from that. Right. And actually I've got one more question there too, and then we'll get to the, the insights. So it's a six month nurture sequence. So two questions. (laughs) Okay. So say eight months. Do you also send like any live campaigns during that time as well? Or like once they opt in, it's those eight months of email and nothing else. And then after those, and then what happens, I guess, after those eight months? So I still send live emails. Um, If I'm like doing something that's very specific, I'll usually exclude my new email subscribers because I know they're really busy. Mm. Um, But generally my nurture sequence is such that it emails people like every five days. So I know that even if I send, you know, I usually typically send one live email a week and it's usually relating to my latest YouTube video or my latest podcast episodes or something like that. So I still send live emails, but again, it's a case by case basis. If I feel like it's something, somebody that people that are brand new to me wouldn't benefit from or wouldn't find relevant, then I can easily exclude them. Um, I use active campaign for my email service provider. So it's really easy to do all those cool automations from there. So after those eight months, then I usually have a very last email that says like, Hey, what are you looking for me in the future? You know, is it more tips? Is it, are you looking more for one-on-one consulting? Like basically like, why haven't you bought yet? Mm. Because as soon as they purchase, they get entered into a new automation. So if somebody reaches the end of the eight months, they haven't purchased. So it's just kind of like a survey and then it helps segment people. So either they are just not interested in my business anymore, or they decided not to open an indoor playground, in which case I generally just tag them and remove them from future emails, unless it's like something unrelated, um, like an affiliate launch or something like that. Because a lot of people who decide not to open an indoor playground business decide to do something else. So If I'm doing an affiliate launch for something else, I'll still include those people that haven't unsubscribed, of course. Um, But yeah, it just helps me segment people. And then after that eight months, they just get my live emails. Gotcha. All right, cool. So I like how you mentioned active campaign, because my question is always, you know, what software are you using? So uh, active campaign for the emails. What do you use for your, your course hosting or your membership hosting? I use Kajabi. Awesome. And do you use... Um, about a year ago, I switched to Thrivecart for my checkout. Oh yeah. Um, and my conversion rate doubled. <laughs> so yeah. I love Thrivecart, but I also love Kajabi. I just didn't want to mess around with the custom code on their checkout pages. But I love Kajabi. I love Thrivecart. I um, love Active Campaign. But that's really that's really my suite of tools. I do use um, Searchy. to make all of my video content searchable. So my, my podcast episodes, all of my three plus years of coaching calls, all of my advanced trainings, all of my course lessons, they're all searchable using searchy, 
but to the end user, it looks like it's all on Kajabi. So it's mm -hmm. all in their portal. It's basically just like a widget that you install. So like I said, to the end user, it looks like it's all one seamless platform, but really the videos are embedded inside of Searchy. Gotcha. Now there's a couple things with that. So I'll ask you the question, Michelle, because there's a few different things there, right? Like, so Kajabi also does a checkout cart, also does email. Why Thrive Cart? Why Active Campaign as well? Hey, course creators, real quick before we get into today's episode, I've got a little favor to ask. As a lot of you are probably aware, one of my goals for this year is to get the, is to massively grow this podcast and get it to be one of the top ranking podcasts in the, the marketing space. Uh, to do that, what really helps is if I can generate as many uh, ratings as, as reviews as possible from listeners. So if you're a returning listener, if you could take a couple seconds and just give me a, a quick rating and review on Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to, that would mean the world, that would mean the world to me. Anyway, let's get to today's show. <laughs> 